This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm really excited today. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Buffalo Bills. I've talked about this before. Uh, and I heard this guy on the radio call for the Bills. And of course, I remember him from his playing days. His name is Eric Wood. He's a former Pro Bowl center for the Buffalo Bills. Walter Payton nominated man of the year a couple of times. First round draft pick. Unbelievable story. And we're going to talk today a lot about all of that, plus what he's doing next, which appropriately is the name of his podcast, What's Next, next with Eric Wood. Eric, welcome, man. Good to have you. I appreciate it. Heck of an intro. Well done, brother. Absolutely. I'm doing my best. Doing my best. So let me let me start with because you know not everybody's going to know your story. Let's go with sort of you know Louisville forward. So you you got a scholarship offer to Louisville. Take us through your your journey. Uh, you know I know you've done this a few times, so I'm sure you have it. I, I'm sure you have it pretty tight, and we'll take that and dissect it as we go. Yeah, the easiest subject to always talk about is yourself generally because you know that story. <laughs> but you you mentioned I got a scholarship to Louisville, and I, I truly did get a scholarship. I got one scholarship uh, to the University of Louisville, uh, went down there. I was a backup tight end on our high school team as a junior. I put on a bunch of weight uh, for my senior season, ended up getting a scholarship to Louisville, went from – I kind of went in the, off- in, in the line of scrimmage. So I went from tight end on the outside to tackle and then ended up – my retro freshman year starting as center for Louisville, played 49 straight games there, played for a guy named Bobby Petrino for the first three years, learned a lot of lessons from him. His name's been tarnished a little bit, um, a lot of it he brought on himself, but just learned a tremendous amount about being a man, and you're either getting better, getting worse every single day. I say being a man, maybe not modeling what, you know, dad and husband, whatever that may be, and, and and he did that as well at times. I don't want to undermine that part of him. Just I know people on the outside listening would say, well, is that the same guy we saw in Atlanta and Arkansas? But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of guys nowadays, there's a lot of college-age kids nowadays that could use some Bobby Petrino tough love to kind of take you to that next level, whether that's your next level in sport, business, just the daily demand and grind. I, I just – um, I don't often honor him on podcasts, and for some reason, he just hit my brain today to kind of give him some encouragement through my words there. But learned a lot from him. Ended up being a first-round draft pick to the Buffalo Bills in 2009, and just truly a dream come true there. And get to play for your beloved Bills. And right. you know, when I went to the Bills, they were eight years into a playoff drought. I would play there for nine more years of that playoff drought, which at the time was the longest in professional sports. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you, you got one scholarship offer, one scholarship offer from Louisville. And from there, like you said, you moved inside the line and then it got drafted, you know, first round, you were the you know, late first round, or I'm sorry, mid first round pick, late first round pick, I think for, for the bills, if I'm not mistaken, yep. how do you go from, you know, barely getting a college offer and then, you know, the movement that you made to a first round pick in a short period of time, what are some of the things that you did? Was it goal setting visualization? What are some things you did to kind of do that? You know, I think I did some of that stuff naturally, but but I'll tell you what a few turning points for me was. So, um, you know, I'm a I'm a man of faith, and I'm I'm not going to shy away from the fact that 
there was opportunities that were put in front of me by the grace of God, I'm assuming. You know, I played at a high school where a lot of guys were getting recruited and getting college scholarships, so there was college coaches around. If there was no other guys on my high school team getting recruited, I would have never got recruited. They would have never noticed me. There would be no reason to come to the west side of Cincinnati to Elder High School if there wasn't other really good ball players. So I was fortunate of that, and I was fortunate of so many deals. I mean, I went into an offensive line amongst – Four guys. So my first year starting at Louisville, my left guard and left tackle, my right guard and right tackle all played in the NFL at, you know, at least for a short stint, some of them for a long career. That That's lucky. That's a great opportunity. That's for me to be surrounded by people. You know, I think I had great mentors. I learned from a lot of guys that I played with. I learned from a lot of incredible coaches. There was a lot of hard work along the way. And, and I think by continuously pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you create habits of being able to push yourself to the limits that pay off all throughout life. Um, but you talk about goal setting. And for me, my goal coming into college, and, and I, I, don't, I don't talk about this often on podcasts and whatnot, but my, my goal coming into college was to make the Bengals, I'm originally from Cincinnati, if I could yeah. make the Bengals practice squad one day, me and my high school buddies would joke how special that would be. At the time, that paid 90000 bucks. I thought, well, shoot, I could work in the offseason. I could make over $100,000. And, you know, I'm on the Tribe of Millionaires podcast, and you wouldn't have invited me if you didn't assume I took care of my money enough to still be a millionaire. So yeah. that was my goal entering college. Well, I, was, I made the freshman All-American team, and when you make the freshman All-American team, they send you a letter, and I, I still have it framed, and it's hey, 70% of freshman All-Americans end up getting drafted, X amount of percent become second-round draft picks, first-round draft picks, whatever it may be. My goals instantly shifted, and that's where the power of words and the power of encouragement, you never know what it's going to do for someone. On my podcast, I've had – actors on musicians professional athletes and one common theme is there's generally especially if you poke and prod around enough there's generally one moment where there was words of encouragement that led to bigger goals bigger dreams so for all you business owners out there for all you ceos anyone in a leadership position and, and really i'm assuming anyone in listening to this podcast is in some type of leadership position, even if it's just leading your family, male or female, you are a leader. Never underestimate what words of encouragement, words of affirmation can do for somebody. And when I got those words from the All-American Committee, that shifted my goals. I instantly shifted my goals to say, I will do everything in my power to be a first round draft pick. And I became obsessed with it. And when I go and talk to college age kids nowadays I say look there are so many professional or there's so many college athletes out there less than one percent will sign an NFL contract you have to truly be obsessed with playing in the NFL and staying in the NFL to get there it doesn't happen by chance it's for someone's athletic ability for someone's skill to truly outweigh their work habits I mean it takes a rare rare case rare case that that ever happens and when you look around the nfl it's not and you look at all the lockers it's not texas alabama ohio state man it's eastern washington washington it's university of louisville it's eastern carolina and there's some blue chip prospects in there as well but these are all guys that were obsessed with it it would not be denied it so you know i, I think my goals did shift it shift jamie and then 
I became obsessed with it to where all my actions, all my work were pointing in the direction of what I ultimately wanted to become. And, you know, I often talk to people about creating a vision. Well, without me knowing, you know, what all these personal development experts would be saying, just kind of ingrained in me was throughout this process of being obsessed with becoming a first round draft pick. I hung a picture in my locker. Uh, it was a cutout from a magazine and it was basically what a NFL prototype center would look like mm. some tangibles and intangibles. Well, I was literally giving myself a vision daily of what I wanted to become. And it's amazing, Jamie, how many of those at the combine I was so close to, like it was, the prototype center was 6'4", 310, according to this paper. Based upon my combine measurements, I was 6'4", and exactly 310 pounds. Wow. It was, you know, at least 30 reps on the bench of 225 pounds. I did exactly 30. It's amazing how many of those lined up perfectly. So that, that was a great question. I hope that wasn't too long of an answer. But no. a lot of the principles that I teach and coach now and try and pour into others – I did naturally. I kind of did by accident, but a lot of that's just being surrounded by great mentors and coaches. Obsessed is an interesting word. You use that a few times. And I, I heard an episode that you did on your podcast where this discussion about being obsessed, I forget what one it was. It might've been a recent one, actually. Can you talk about that? What does that mean? Obsessed? Because to me, in my mind, I can see, I could see that word being synonymous with sacrifice. Like, what do you need to give up in order to be obsessed with something? What are you going to put down? Being a husband, being a father, a mother, or whatever it might be. What does obsessed mean? Can you, can you quantify that? Or can you give a little bit more granularity on that to the extent that you're, you're willing or able to? Yeah, and I, I would say obsessed has got probably got a bad connotation, and, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's yeah, okay yeah. that that is because the people that would shy away from using the word obsessed are probably people that I wouldn't get along with super well. I feel like I can get along with anybody. Those are probably people I wouldn't want to necessarily align myself with because I'm always trying to constantly surround myself with people that will push me to that next level in life. And that's a competitiveness in, in me. That's probably a pride issue and an ego issue. If I'm honest and vulnerable sure. right now that a lot of us have and probably don't recognize, but you know, um, to your point on, on, on obsessed, I think there's a difference between being interested in something or obsessed or another word, maybe committed. Like how committed are you to something? And oftentimes when you look, when you peel back the covers, when someone says they want something, their actions don't line up with it. So someone that's obsessed with something will make sacrifice. They will be extremely disciplined in trying to get to that goal or whatever their vision would be. If you looked at their time allotment through the week, then it would, it would reflect what they say they want to get done. And you know what? Yes, I was obsessed with being a first round draft pick, but I was a college age kid. You know, nowadays there's things that I am completely committed to. And it starts with my faith. It's my immediate family. It's my friends. It's my career now. Like those things I will sacrifice for, but at the time when I was in college, like everything was wrapped around football. Now it's a little more like, like I would, I, I, I make the biggest effort I can to structure into my week moments and schedule moments. So I'm not scheduling out my faith, my family and things that I hold, hold dearly to me. So for those listening 
and say, okay, well, I'm going to go all in on something. I encourage everyone to write down your core values or, or even just what you value most in this world. And for some people, it might be money in this time and place. You know, you may be someone who's single, whatever it may be. Just understand what you value most and just don't go somewhere. Don't just don't go somewhere on autopilot. Just don't go somewhere on accident without truly knowing, creating a vision for yourself that's that's values based. So, you know, I, I'm, I mentioned mine, like for mine, it's friend or sorry, it's faith, it's family, it's friends. I value relationships and then it's career and, and hobbies and everything else. Get the three Fs. I like that. I like that. So you 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 achieved the goal, obviously. Uh, first round draft pick. I love this. I love this topic because, like, here's the example for me, right? So I had this goal of becoming an executive within this insurance company. I, I worked there for 20 years uh, before I exited, and I did it. That's what moved me to Michigan. We were talking about that before, like being in Boston during the the worst day of the Bills days, and then moving <laughs> moving here to Michigan. It brought me here, and then I immediately felt this lack of fulfillment. And that's really what started me down the path of, you know, real estate investing and, and being intentional like you are with proximity, finding a community like abundance and all of that stuff. And it really propelled me forward to where now I'm, I'm, I feel much more grounded in what I want and grounded in what I'm trying to do. You achieved the goal. You got the first round pick, right? But then after that, I mean, look, I remember early in your career, broken leg, broken. I mean, you had a lot of injury plagued years. It's easy for you to mentally check out, maybe give up or whatever, but you stuck through it. I think 2015 was a Pro Bowl year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Talk about that for a moment. Like a lot of people achieve what they think is the dream and then immediately realize like that's not giving them happiness or that's not what, what they thought it would be. Like, be careful what you wish for to some extent. But you continue to drive forward. And I, I would bet, and we'll talk about the end of your playing career, had it not been for you know the injury or or you know what you learned at the end of your playing career that had, you might be playing right now for for all for all we know. So what what how did you continue after you achieved this this obsession that you had with being a first round pick? How did you continue forward? Is it is it about these values and making sure it's rooted in that? Is that really what it's about? Or did you have to restate your goals? Like, how do you continue to go? after you achieve a huge, huge goal that you uh, set out for yourself? Yeah. You know, I think for most people, it's just never finish and then it's move on to the next thing. Okay. What's, yeah. what's that next level of achievement? And that can be such a slippery slope in life. If you put all of your, um, if you put all your self-worth into what your next achievement's going to be, it's, it's a never ending path. It was, I became a first round draft pick. Okay. Now I got to be a starter. Okay. I'm starting in the NFL. Okay. Then I got to get that second contract because then financially I should be set for life. And then it's okay. I got to make a pro bowl. I want to win a super bowl. I want to win the Walter Payton man of the year award. And it's all these things. And then it's constant. And if you all your self-worth is in achievement, it's great to chase success in life. Like I, I would never pull someone back from that and and staying committed to something and in that process of of trying to achieve that you know if you're constantly growing uh, tony robbins says fulfillment comes from growth like personal growth is where fulfillment comes it doesn't come from the the pinnacle because that that moment is so fleeting the growth is every single day and so for me and, and I'll be honest, for a majority of my career, I didn't truly appreciate the moment. It took a while into my career before I started doing I called my gratitude drives to the stadium in the morning. We lived about three minutes from the stadium. When I pulled out of my driveway, 
I could see the stadium lights. It was generally dark when I was driving in in the morning. I could see the stadium lights, and I would start to think of myself, how awesome is it that I get to play in the NFL? You know, I'm a kid from the west side of Cincinnati. I didn't even start on my high school team as a junior in high school. Like, I'm playing in the NFL. my captain of an NFL team. I've got to play my whole career in the same city. And I would just flood myself with gratitude going in. And then I truly started to uh, appreciate the moment and appreciate where I was at in my career. Because for a lot of my career, it was constantly, okay, well, I haven't achieved this yet. Well, I haven't achieved this. Well, what if you get hurt and you can't achieve that? And and eventually I would get to that moment and I'm sure we'll get to that. But eventually I get to that moment where I, I finally get hurt for the last time and, and I'm not going to be able to achieve that. I'm not going to be able to achieve some of my greatest goals. And you mentioned, you know, you should still be playing potentially. And, and in my mind, I would have played till the wheels truly fell off. I loved it. I had a conversation with Brandon being the GM for the Bills a week or two ago about how they extended me with the Buffalo Bills to be the mentor, the center for whatever quarterback they're going to draft who is now Josh Allen. Mm, that's true. That's amazing, huh? Isn't that crazy when you think about it? And he's, he's killing it right now. He's, he's just a, an unbelievable find. Thankfully, like last year, came out of uh, whatever it was the first two years were and really developed an incredible mm-hmm. development. I want to talk about the, the end of your career, 2017, in a moment. But one thing you mentioned with Brandon Bean, this, this culture in Buffalo, you know, and I think this, this speaks to sports. And we always have these great parallels of sports and life and sports and career, sports and corporate, all that stuff. But you, for years, were with uh, a franchise that just seemed like it couldn't get out of its way, with an organization, a culture that couldn't get out of its way. I mean, speaking of living in Boston, I remember a Monday night game. I think this was when you were there. Uh, I think it was Leotis McKelvin. You, the bills were up. They were going to upset the Patriots. And on the, on the, like the last kickoff of the game, this terrible fumble, and they just found a way to lose. And it felt like that was the, the culture of the team. I'm in Michigan. You hear this about the lions right now, right? Some of these teams go through this in your last year, you made the playoffs and you had, I think it was the first year for this new regime, this new culture. Can you contrast and compare what you saw for the prior seven or eight years of your career, that culture, what was it about it that just didn't allow you to get out of your way versus what you saw in 2017? And now, you know, you get to see it being the color man for the, for the radio, uh, for the Bills radio network. What, you know, what's that difference? What makes for a winning culture versus that, that can't get out of your way culture from what you've seen? Yeah, there's so many different cultures that you could set up and it's generally instilled by the head coach and there's so many different cultures you could kind of, you know, tag words or whatever it may be. And everyone tried to implement it. But I played for seven head coaches in nine years. Two were interims, but oh, seven man. head coaches in nine years. So how do you establish a culture yeah. if it's constantly changing? You have a new leader and Rex Ryan is empowerment and freedom. And I'm going to treat you like a man. I'm going to treat you like a pro. Go show up on Sundays. And then prior to that, you have a Doug Marone who – came from the college ranks prior and he's going to put his thumb on you and it's intimidation. It's a little bit of fear and fear of making mistakes. And then prior to that, it's Chan Gailey and it's kind of similar to um, uh, him and Dick Drum were fairly similar in, Hey, we're going to have, we're going to have great X's and O's. We're going to have great leadership within the team. But if you need a motivational speech from me as a pro, you know, that, that then then you're in the wrong business like you should be ingrained in that and and all those coaches I appreciate but when Sean McDermott came in Sean McDermott said these are the types of guys that we are going to coach if you're not one of our guys you are gone 
They traded away. Everyone thought we were tanking. I'm sure you did as well. Yeah. We traded away our previous three top draft picks when they came in, which is insane to do. But he said they're not our type of DNA. And I looked at Sean one time and I said, well, then I guess talent isn't in your DNA because these are three of the most talented guys on our team. Yeah. But that's the team that breaks the playoff drought. And it was because we brought in guys that were going to you know, fight till the end, the guys that were reliable on a day-to-day basis that you could count on each and every week to know the playbooks and show up every Sunday. And those are the guys that set the foundation. And now they are super talented and now they're AFC championship. And now even after dropping a couple crappy games this year, they're still the Vegas betting favorite for the, to win the Super Bowl. So that being said, we all one thing the Bills also struggle with this, and this kind of relates to business as well, is for the first six or seven years of my career, we had an owner that was so sick that he often couldn't leave Detroit and couldn't even come visit the facility. And so when the owner's not there, when the top dog's not there, that guy that signs your check, when he's not in the building, there's not as much accountability all the way from the top down. That's interesting. Well, Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula, they are there all the time. They're very intentional. They ask the players, what can we do to to make this a better experience for you in Buffalo? What do you need to be able to succeed? Well, you appreciate people like that more. You also, when they're at practice, maybe you just go a little bit harder. When they're standing on the sidelines before the games, maybe your warm-ups will touch better because at any moment in the NFL, you could be kicked to the curb unless you're one of those rare, maybe three to five guys on the team that are worth more cut than you are on the team because they'll have to give you a big old check to walk out the door. Most players in the NFL are not like that. So all that being said, for all those business leaders out there, when you own your own business, be present within your organization because just your presence being there is extremely powerful. I love some of the terms that are coming. You're talking about proximity, accountability, gratitude. I just had a guy on yesterday, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's an author, wrote a book called Who Not How, and more recently, The Gap and the Gain. And and, uh, it's based on Dan Sullivan teachings. And what you talked about when you were leaving your house three minutes away from the stadium being you know, thankful for the fact that you're there. You're not focused in the gap where you are now to where you want to be. You're focused in the gain, where you've come from to where you are now. And that's just, I mean, it completely converts your mindset. It completely converts everything. It just it makes you happier. And when you're happier, you're going to do great things. So I love the lessons that you that you're that you've gotten from your playing days. And I want to go, I want to go to now the end of your playing days. So 2017, if you want to just sort of talk about because I, I don't I don't remember as a fan, I don't remember there being like a moment where you were injured, but then suddenly there was the news that you couldn't play anymore. So can you just walk us through that? Yeah, there was no moment that I was just injured and because I was the only player on the team to play every single snap that season. One of the only players in the entire NFL to play every single snap that season. And it is hard because you could be removed from a game without being injured. Your shoe could fall off. Mm -hmm. um, Be up in a game, down in a game. Exactly. You're winning by too much, losing by too much. Um, you know, there's just so many reasons, you know, a chin strap could break on your helmet. Like there's so many reasons that you could leave a football game without being even if you're injured and the injury rate in the NFL is hundred percent. Some injuries are just a little worse than others and you have to miss some time. That being said, I was the only player on the team that played hundred percent of the snaps in 2017. Um, we make the playoffs, so we break the longest playoff drought in all of professional sports, which I'll never win a Super Bowl as a player. 
but that sure felt like winning a Super Bowl. To get that monkey off our back was truly special. I signed a contract extension before the season. When everyone thought the Bills were tanking, I put my faith and trust in Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and said, you know what, guys? I'm with you guys. I could never leave and see you guys have success without me, so I'll just stay and I'll help you guys get over the hump any way I can. And so that was truly a special season. We get, we get over the hump. We end up losing in Jacksonville, and I'm as competitive as it gets, but – that was for the first time in my life I went into a football game and I could almost acknowledge that it was a win-win whether we won or lost. And the only reason I say that is, and I was fighting to win and I truly wanted to win. And when you hear the story, my wife wanted us to win too. But my son was going to be born two days after that game. If the Bills won, I was likely going to miss the birth of my son. If the Bills lost, I would be there for the birth of his son. We ended up losing in Jacksonville. Everyone's got to take an exit physical. I go into my exit physical. I said, hey, look, I'm the only player on the team that played every single snap. Let me go for the offseason. Just clear me. Clear me for the Pro Bowl. I'll be on my way. And they said, Eric, you had some stingers this year. Get an MRI on your neck. I said, my high school buddy's got stingers. And for those unfamiliar out there, you take a shot to the head or neck area. It, it messes with the nerves. You get some numbness in your hand. And it can be some are worse than others. It can last anywhere from a couple seconds to maybe 10 seconds, but the feeling comes back because it's truly just a nerve deal. And then the feeling comes back and you proceed as usual. You know, oftentimes you're not even sore from it. Well, they said you had a bunch of stingers this year. Go get an MRI on your neck. Uh, mm. Apprehensively, I got the MRI on my neck just because I thought well, this is a waste of time. But I get an MRI on my neck, drive back to Louisville. Two days later, I'm in the hospital room. We're in the delivery room waiting on my son to be born. I get a call from the doctor in Buffalo, and that moment would be the end of my career. He would inform me that at C2, C3, there was disc and bones sitting into my spinal cord, and they're not sure why I wasn't like Ryan Chazier, who was laying on the field motionless that year and still trying to gain back motor function to this day. They're not sure why that didn't happen. They said, you're extremely lucky, but you will never play football again. You'll never pass a physical, even if you try with another organization and consider yourself lucky that it wasn't worse. And so in that moment, just wrecked us. I mean, my wife started crying and nurse comes in and she said, honey, it's not going to hurt that bad. And she said, it's not about the baby. And we, <laughs> we, we still laugh to this day about that, I guess. Sure, Maybe sure. I laugh more than she does, but, um, it, it put put us kind of on a roller coaster ride. I, like I said, I had just signed a contract extension before the season. We owned a house in Buffalo. Like half the year, my wife was up there, probably eight months a year, I was up there. And that was a big part of our life and something I wasn't ready to let go of. What's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole go abundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, and what it is to be part of this community in depth. Would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and Ascend. 
Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to Ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance Mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form. You get on a phone call and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I, I heard I've heard that part that it was, you know, in the delivery room, essentially you're getting this news. And I can't imagine in that moment the emotions of like, oh, my God, amazing. But oh, my God, what the hell just happened to me? Right. 50, like, what? what yeah, yeah. 50 minutes later, my son was born. And wow. so I find out my dream career is over. And then 50 minutes later, my son is born. He's healthy. He's this beautiful little baby boy. He was our second. Our daughter, Grace, is three years older than him. And you know, I, I come from a family with a, a, my little brother had severe cerebral palsy passed when he was 11 years old, even just having this healthy baby that we get to hold. Like I truly appreciated that. And it takes everything away for the moment, but eventually life settles back in and you realize, shoot, I need to tell everybody about this and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. And I need to figure out what the heck I'm going to do next. Yeah, it's a great segue because yeah, I mean <clears throat> that's uh, life happens for you, as you know, right? That's a you know a, a key principle, and and uh, what you're doing now is really exciting. One quick question, as an aside, how how I don't know how f how fragile is this for you? Like, if you bump into a if you bump into something, could it be game over? Like, I'm just kind of curious, not being funny, but honestly, like, how fragile is this? Because it was like you said, you could easily have been paralyzed. Are, are you, do you have to watch what you do on a day to day basis? That's a great question and something I asked myself. I'm like, well, if this is so dangerous, can I never play basketball again? Can I right. still play golf? Can I do water sports on the lake, which I love to do? And there's some restrictions. Like I'm not supposed to wakeboard. You know, you're going, that's pretty intense. Yeah. I shouldn't jump off of cliffs into the water and stuff. Any like high impact. Uh, but, but every six months I get an MRI on my neck and the disc is starting to pull off of the cord. Mm. They're monitoring it pretty closely because not to get too in the weeds on this. And maybe there's some out there listening, uh, message me on Instagram. If you know more about this than I do, I'm at <laughs> Ewood 70, but, um, there's callusing and there's bruising the spinal cord and bone were into, or the disc and bone were into the spinal cord mm. because I didn't have permanent, um, strength loss and numbness. It, they're assuming it was bruising and not callusing. It can turn to callusing. If it does, they need to do surgery immediately. The disc and bone are starting to pull off. And so knock on wood, yeah. I'm okay to just live normal life. The worst thing that could happen is me to take a huge shot of the head. I wasn't braced for. 
So they said, you know, like almost the most dangerous thing would maybe be driving in the snow where you get rear-ended and not expect it. But it's not like I have to walk around on pins and needles all my life. Football (laughs) is probably just the most violent sport you could possibly play, and you're taking enormous shots to the head and neck area. Yeah, no, no doubt. I was going to say uh, you had a, a pretty, and you weren't, you weren't, you were a brawler, man. Like you weren't the the kind of guy that uh, you know was was technique only. Like you, I think, took pride in like mauling people. If, <laughs> if no, I no, remember no, right, that's so. what makes it fun to play offensive line. Like we yeah. don't score touchdowns. Physically right. dominating someone is yeah. is half the battle. And I've lost a lot of weight since I've been done playing, but I yeah. still work out and try and look good because I, I tell my wife all the time. I said. I may not be able to fight anybody ever again, but I at least need to look like I can kick someone's tail in case Grace walks home with a boyfriend that's kind of big. Like, I need to be in good shape. And this is funny. I don't think I've told this on any podcast, so you're in for a treat for this one. So there we go. You Like, even before COVID, you weren't supposed to walk your kids into kindergarten yeah. uh, at my daughter's school. Like, because if everybody did, it would be way too hectic. They don't have sure. parking for everybody. And, but I would always do it. And I was broadcasting for ESPN and the Bills that year. So I was gone four and a half days a week. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? The day I get to take her to school, I'm going to walk her in there. And when I give her a kiss at her door, and I'd be nice to everyone going in there. And a lot of people are Louisville fans, so they recognize me. And I'm, I try to be as sweet as I can so they don't kick me out. But I'd say, Grace, I love you, girl. Spread joy today. We do our thing. And I'd say, and why does daddy walk you to your class? And she said, so everyone in here knows I have the biggest, baddest daddy in school. I said, and don't you ever forget it, baby. And I'm like, because like I, I don't have any sisters, and I don't really have any. Like I hadn't. Been, I, I'm like the one thing I'd always been told is like you want your daughter to be confident and secure. Like obviously, know her dad loves her mom, but like and feel protected. And so I'm like, all right, well, that's the only way I really know how. That's funny, man. I yeah, I'm so I don't know. I'm glad they're healthy. I have two boys. And I'm, I'm, thank God I do. First of all, I'm 5'7", 160. So, yeah, you can still take me. Bad neck and all. Although I know where to hit you now, at least. I can right. go right for the neck if I get into a brawl with you. But um, but having two boys, like the, my, I have two sisters. The pressure my parents had, it felt like they had, of, you know, uh, uh, with girls and everything. My dad, you know, I... Thankfully, thankfully, I don't have that pressure because girls, one, are way too smart at a young age. They just they pick up on stuff and they 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 think about what you say. Whereas if I tell my boys, like, just run into the wall, they'll just do it. They, you know, they don't really right. think about anything. I love that about them. <laughs> and the funny thing is we probably don't put enough pressure on ourselves to raise our voice correctly. You yeah. know what I mean? And because yeah. you're like, well, I want them to figure it out themselves and they need to be tough. And it's like, man, we live in this culture now. It's like almost we should be like, hey, it's cool to show emotion. Like, it's OK yeah. to cry. We get these like, what do they say? Like everybody's either, everyone's got daddy issues. You either had a great dad that you feel like you could never live up to, or you had a piece of crap dad that you feel like you have to outprove right. or you have to do better than. It's like all of us have daddy issues. 100%. 100%. And my wife is the balance there. Cause to your point, yeah, I mean, you know, my upbringing, I know was different than my sister's just because my parents saw roles differently in that time, right? Like at the time, uh, your girls, you're going to be a wife and a mother one day. You're a man. You have to go out and earn, right? So we were treated differently. We just were not not in a you know in a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a derogatory way, I guess. But it was just the the times, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever the upbringing, um, which is probably what led you to a lot of success. But then you mentioned when you moved to Detroit, you felt, or when you moved to Michigan, you felt yep. that lack of fulfillment. It's like eventually, like we're men, we're earners, we provide, we protect. But then it's like, ultimately, we need to take a look within and be like, okay, what truly fulfills me? Like, where am I going to make an impact on this world? And that's where I admire you 
doing this podcast and spreading, you know, positive vibes around. It's like, okay, I'm going to make an impact here beyond just the fact that I can provide for my family. Yeah. That, I appreciate you saying that, but you're absolutely right. That is, that is exactly it. Head down, provide, provide, provide. And at some point you're just like, this doesn't feel good anymore. <laughs> you know, like there's things I want to do that fulfill me and that I feel are on purpose for me and that my, I can leverage my gifts with. And with and, that, and I, I want to, Oh, go well, ahead. I was going to say, and, and you could only teach or lead from a point of experience. And the only reason I say that is because on a day-to-day basis, I find myself like, okay, well, I'm going to out earn, yeah. you know, what I, what I was, what I did playing. And it's like, my family does not care how much money we have or how much money I make. Like they more want time in presence. That's it. That's it. Quality time. No doubt. And with that, I, I'm, I want to talk about this transition. So you you know, your career's over. Uh, obviously now you have kind of, you've launched a media career, right? So, and I know, I think you have aspirations of the Monday night football booth. I've heard you say that in a couple of different things doing the research here. Uh, so correct me if that's wrong, but Let's start with fulfillment and purpose and passion and some of these words. Like, you know, you you uh, started doing the work prior to your transition out of the of your of your NFL career. Can you talk a little bit about that? Let's start there. I got like four questions in my brain. Let me just give you one question. Let's start with, you know, what was the work you were doing prior to leaving the NFL? Even though maybe you didn't know you were going to be leaving the NFL at the time you did, but you started doing some things. What were you working on? So prior to my last season in the NFL, I was the accountability partner for somebody on our team that had an executive mindset, an executive coach, a mindset coach, however you want to say it. I was his accountability partner. And through my conversations with this guy, James McPartland, I ended up working with him as well because I thought, man, this stuff is gold and stuff I've never been exposed to. And it was kind of just extra accountability in my life, but it was leadership practices. It was figuring out exactly how I'm using my time each week. And maybe I'm saying I'm bogged down. Okay, well, let's find the wasted pockets of time and, and all that. And, and let's do values exercises and truly hone in on all these things. Well, then my career ends and I have this built-in kind of transition coach now who's worked with a lot of executive CEOs that have transitioned out of business, other professional athletes. And so I was so fortunate and lucky if you, if you spend enough time around me, you'll always hear me say, I was so lucky. I'm the luckiest guy ever. And I could give you a 20 different examples. And, and after that, you'd probably say like, man, you are really lucky. But <laughs> uh, and then I always say, you know, and then if someone uses that against me, it's cool if I say it, if someone said it right. was me, then I would say, well, I worked luck, for this. <laughs> luck is preparation meets opportunity, you know? So you can, you can run <laughs> both ways of that, but so lucky and so fortunate to have my work with Mac. And then as I transitioned out for the first time in so long, I had this period of obscurity from when I found out about the injury until the bills finally released me, which was a lot of salary cap. Uh, complications. Oh, yeah. complications. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Like salary cap implications. I'll say if they were to cut me prior to right before the deadline, then they wouldn't have been able to pick up the free agents because the cap hit would have kicked in immediately and it just wasn't going to work out. Anyways, I could never say I was retiring. I couldn't even like really show I was losing weight because then maybe I'm retiring. If I'm retiring, I don't get my injury money. And so it was this time where I, I didn't want people to like take a picture of me because I was trying to lose the weight because I wanted to be healthy and make my body feel good. But I didn't want people to even anyone to see a picture of me because then I'm like, well, they could use that against me. And it was this, it was a tough period, honestly. It was, 
And then, you know, you have, I had a schedule every single day that was built for me. And I had this mission and purpose to be the best center in the NFL. And yes, I want to be a rock star Christian and dad and husband, but career wise, I knew exactly what I wanted to be every single day, whether it was in season, off season, I w- I knew exactly what it took. And a lot of times the schedules were built for me. Well, now I have no schedule. I don't know what I want to be. Yes, I want to be a dad and husband and a Christian, and and I devoted a lot of time to that. But ultimately, men need something to pour into, something that they're passionate about. And that's what I tell a lot of people in transition nowadays is find something you're passionate about. It doesn't necessarily have to bring monetary value, especially not at first. If you create value for other people, especially if you create value for valuable people, you will be rewarded financially. But don't let that be the driving force, especially if you're transitioning from uh, a place of, you know, as a former professional athlete, or maybe the people listening to this and the tribe of millionaires, like, don't let money be the thing that says that's what your passion is, find your passion and then find out how to monetize it. But and you have to do some deep soul searching in those moments when it's ripped from you like it was me. Because I always said, and, and hopefully this speaks to someone on this podcast, but I always said if you were too worried about what you were going to do after football, it would come a lot sooner for you. So for you out there that are saying, like, I can't wait to retire, we're going to move to Florida or California, we're going to do these travel plans, and you're too worried about that, and you're too worried about what am I going to do next, you're probably not living in the moment enough to maximize your potential here, and you're going to leave something on the table. All that being said, I was extremely lucky to work with Mac through all this and for him to be able to pour into me through this tough time That because I would have never known how to navigate it myself because obviously I, I had never been through anything like that. That's a lot of gold in there, man. I love the discussion of passion always intrigues me and interests me. I, 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 I'm very careful about that word recently, like in the last couple of months, I've become very careful and really just the power of words generally, right? We're, we're linguistic beings. So, you know, how words matter and, you know, passion, if you actually, if you look it up, I don't know if you've ever looked up the definition of passion, but it is a, a, uh, an unsustainable emotion. That's what passion mm-hmm. is. Right. So I think when I think of passions, I've got a, a boulevard of broken dreams of passions that last a weekend of me being into origami or whatever, all the way through months of some level of real estate investing or something that I thought I wanted to do in real estate investing. And it's like, why don't these things stick? Why do I kind of fall off of them? And what you've talked about is this the core values, purpose, all of that. I, I believe you have to know what that is, what your gifts are, what you're truly gifted with. And from that, derive your passions. You have to have a foundation, like coming from something, not just I want to do this today. And then this over here. And oh, I love this so much. Passions will fade. The definition of the word is that they will, right? It's an emotion. Like any emotion, we're never happy forever or sad forever, right? So I love what you talk about with core values uh, and purpose and everything else like that. With the with the post, with the transition over now to the media company, I, I, early on, you set a goal to be a practice squad player for the Cincinnati Bengals, right? And obviously that goal, that goal changed as you talked about once you, once you kind of got more, more enlightenment with that. Leaving the NFL, once you kind of got over the shock of that and figured, okay, what is next for me? And I know that's your whole podcast is dedicated to what's next, right? Did your, did your, did how you set the goal or did anything change from then to now? Like, how did you determine that this was it for you? Like, what was the, what was behind that? Okay. So 
for me, perfect what you just said about identifying your gifts. So for me and identifying my gifts, and it's oftentimes hard to even identify your own gifts. Sometimes you have to ask others. And this was a lot of soul searching within myself, but then also me asking others. And because it's, so for instance, one of my gifts is communication. Well, it's hard for you to recognize that you have that gift, especially if you're a former pro athlete, if you're a pastor, if you're a public speaker, if you're a congressman, like you speak in public enough that you know you're good at it. I hadn't spoken in public enough. I had done enough media appearances and enough interviews that people said, hey, if you ever want to get into this, you're a gifted communicator. Okay, light bulb on. What, uh, what else are my gifts? Well, I'm extremely disciplined. I have this football knowledge. Okay, let's try broadcasting because if I if I let this window close as an offensive lineman from Western New York playing in Buffalo, if yeah. this window closes, in three years they're going to say, wait, who the heck were you again? And so I hopped into broadcasting. And if you've heard me say, you know, maybe one day I'll be the uh, – maybe I'll be an analyst on Monday Night Football. Like, I don't know that that's my top goal right now. Mm. Because as I get more and more into media, podcasting, broadcasting, like I want to make a positive impact on people. I want to positively influence others. And I don't know by going all in on that, that's my biggest way of impacting. I think podcasting, I think speaking, writing, those types of things, you can make a big impact on others. I still really enjoy calling football games. So I still call the Bills games. But for me, when I was at ESPN doing college games, plus doing the Bills games, I mentioned I was gone four and a half days a week. And the way I'm wired, Jamie, I don't go halfway in on anything. And so I committed to two years of that and because I said I want to get double the reps and I want to do college and NFL. I want to figure out what I like better. I'm going to do TV and radio. And this way, I'm getting a bunch of experience and I can kind of figure it out. For now, I'm just doing uh, the radio gig with the Bills and then um, I'm doing some performance coaching over at U of L. So, so through my podcast of finding out what's next for me, I got introduced to all these people in the self development space, these coaches, these speakers, these authors, these um, uh, influencers, uh, podcasters. Exactly. Yeah. yeah these yeah. these performance coaches, for a lack of better words, mindset coaches. Get introduced to all of them. I think I thought, man, that would be really fulfilling if I could do it. And they were like, what do you mean if you can do it? You were a captain in the NFL for multiple years. You've you've done hundreds of hours of reading and speaking with some of the top minds in this space. Just go do it. So um, I've been doing over that over at UofL. And so it's it's kind of ever evolving around the central theme of how do I positively influence others using the gifts and platform God has given me personally but it has to start with Leslie, Grace, and Garrett in my household. Because mm. if it doesn't start with them, it doesn't matter what else I'm doing. Because if I'm neglecting them to chase all these shiny objects, then ultimately I'm not going to have the structure I need and it's all going to crumble. That's so that's so insightful, man. I've, I've, I struggle with that, being honest and vulnerable. Like leaving my day job, which I've been conditioned to be for so long, and then taking you know an entrepreneurial path and you know finding purpose and to your point, adding value in this way. I, I love doing this. I have a great time meeting people and you know, hopefully asking questions that people resonate with. But I'll be honest with you, I really don't care. I, these are questions I want to know. I'm just my own curiosity. I get to explore with a guy who's performed at such a high level. 
Um, and that, that's how I am too. I always feel like if I'm asking questions that I'm learning from somebody out there's yeah. learning and finding value from it too. And, and just quickly uh, yeah. to expand on that point for one second, when my career ended, one of the hardest moments for me was telling people I didn't know what I was going to be doing next and them saying, well, you're too young to be retired, Eric. And I'd say, I know I'm not retired. I just got my career taken from me. I'll figure it out, you know, and I would literally take offense to that. And I shouldn't have, it came you know, it came from a place of caring with, with many individuals, but it still irked me and it hurt me. And, and that's when I kind of realized that maybe more of my identity was wrapped into football and being a football player than I truly realized. Well, then I got really excited when I could start telling people, well, now I have two broadcast gigs. I'm on three different boards. I still have my foundation in Buffalo. I have a podcast. I have this. And I was talking to a guy named Greg Taylor and Greg told me, he said, Eric, I just want to let you know, and this comes from a place of experience. You didn't mention your family one time, and mm. if you leave them behind, it's it's really not going to work out. You know, you're gonna you're gonna crash and burn, bud. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. I was so proud of myself and so excited that I could finally tell people I'm not doing just one thing. I have ten things going, and that's where I had to start learning the power of saying no because you're going to get a lot of great opportunities. We're all going to get good opportunities. Most listening to this podcast probably get multiple, probably more than I do. And, and I need to learn. Um, and I am learning the power of saying no. Dude, that's so, that hits me right now. Just before this podcast, I was on with my accountability partner. He's a guy out of Canada. And um, uh, we were chatting about this. And I said, dude, I'm, I'm in too many things right now. I'm, I'm stretched too much. And to the point of your kids and your family, what's, what's was compelling to me, like especially when I left my job, I have a six and three-year-old now, was... Man, I, I I want these guys to have you know more opportunity than I had. I want them to 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 be able to live a life that they dream of living. Like I didn't figure this stuff out until like mid late thirties. Then I started learning about yeah you know, personal development, the power of your brain, and you know all of this stuff, visualization and goal setting and habits and routines and things that I guess you kind of fumble into at times and don't realize you're doing, and that's why your life's going so well. Now I have some intentionality around it. So we've literally enrolled our oldest in uh, a school that pretty much teaches that. So he doesn't go to traditional school. We didn't like what traditional school offered. We've sent him to what's called an Acton Academy. Talked about it on this podcast before. Uh, and it and you know they they talk about the first day I brought him in. The the topic was for six year olds. Let's talk about growth versus fixed mindset. And and wow. they had to define it right. And then as you go along, the daily topics or discussions are accountability and failure and things that you know I want them to have. So I feel like, man, I've done this for my kids, but then to your point, my actions, me, like, okay, I've done that. I've checked the box. What I'm doing is spreading myself so thin or over all these exciting opportunities that I feel give my ego the boost that I need. And I, I neglect, I neglect them at the end of the day. And that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm on this roller coaster with, especially as I'm in this what's next period and trying to figure out. So now what you said in there, that, that, that hit me right in the chest, what you just described. I got these 10 things. Look at me. Yeah, go for I it. No, I know. And, and I, I actually listened to a sermon last night. And honestly, a lot of this is coming out because it's something I'm, you know, dealing with and managing right now. And, and I think you hit it on the head. It's just being intentional. Like when you're intentional and you're present, then you can understand in the moment you don't go on autopilot for five years and then lose your family and have no relationship with your wife and kids because you went down that path, understanding it in the moment. Like you don't, this isn't where we need to beat ourselves up. We just need to be cognizant of it. And me and my wife went to a couple's Bible study last night and we watched a message from CCV um, out in Arizona, but it was a message on, um, there's a new book on the elimination of hurry. 
Um, oh, I've like, heard of this book. You're like the third person to mention it. The, the universe is telling me well, something. They did a sermon series based upon the book. And so um, we watched the sermon. It's Ashley Woolridge. And um, let me just find this real quick. It is the Ruth, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it talked about having a Sabbath day and not working seven days a week and how God can do more with six days of work and one day of rest than he can with seven days and to test them on it and try them on it. And so I'm going to make a concerted effort to take one full day off of no work. And it's funny, like if I told people that they would probably be like, you work seven days a week. Like, what do you do? You broadcast on the weekends. I'm like, well, I have a podcast and I go on other podcasts and I have, I'm writing a book right now and I have all these things going. I have, we're building a website to promote the, it's just, a lot of things going on. I got three investments that are all really good. They could all be sold in the next couple of years are really exciting. They're just a lot of meetings and calls and zooms. And then by six o'clock, I have that like zoom face where you like, it's like my kids, when they look at the iPad too long, it's like, you just get that glazed look on your face. And so all that being said, that sermon hit me last night. So I'm going to make a concerted effort between now and new year's to take one full day off a week where it's not emails, it's not podcasts, it's not prepping for a podcast, it's not making calls, it's not prepping for a Bills game, it's not interviewing people. And, you know, there's there's a lot of media obligations that come within the season, but I just yeah. feel like I owe it to myself and my family. And I'm I'm honestly interested to see what God, God does with it because I love the concepts of tithing where there's only one time in the Bible that God says to test him and that's with your finances. And he says, test me with your finances. I can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. And we've seen the fruits of that in our life. I've seen the fruits of it in so many other lives. And so now I'm interested to try this uh, Sabbath principle and, yeah. and quit working seven days a week. You know, it's funny. My, my, the, the revelation I had uh, you know, months back was whenever I got to quiet time, things seemed to shift. So my wife and I get talk about intentional. My wife and I exchange uh, solo weekends every quarter now. So this is like Friday to Sunday, no kids, no wife, me. I get a, I get a, I get a room in a local Hampton. That's what I do. A Hampton Inn, like literally a mile from where I live. I'll get a room there Friday to Sunday. My wife goes to like the W Hotel in Fort Lauderdale. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. But that three days, man, like <clears throat> to your point, Friday for me is like a, like, oh, shoot, let me reply to that email and check that text. And you're still in it. Like, you can't just stop, or at least I can. But by Saturday, you know, you just start to, as long as you're not, you know, you're committing to, I'm not going to watch Netflix. I'm not going to do these things. Like, you get in a workout, you meditate, you read. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's hard not to, not to get to a place where you start to get into the depths, to the back of the brain a little bit. And by Sunday, man, you just sort of, you got it smoothed out. Like, okay, all right, I've got clarity. I've journaled a whole bunch of crap. No one's ever going to read this, thank God, because it doesn't make any sense. And I can do things with this. I can create ideas. I can, you know, and, and the noise tones down quite a bit because you're, you're right, whether it's one day a week or there's a book, The Road Less Stupid, same thing. He talks about like scheduled quiet time. But for me, because my brain, like when I wake up, it's go, right? My wife is always like, can you just take it down a peg? I'm, like, ah, I'm awake. My brain's talking to me. So that three days away, ah, man, it just, yeah, that's been powerful for me. So just throw it out. That's great. I'd love yeah. to hear that. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Very cool. We only got a few minutes left. I want to, I want to ask this question before we wrap and we learn more about where you, where, where we can learn more about all of what you're doing. Uh, but you've, I, I have to ask this, you've played at the highest levels. I mean, you've, you've been at the pinnacle. I'm curious about a competitor 
not so much an athlete, because that's a natural born thing, but a competitor that you played with or against, somebody that stands out that just was on another level from, a, from being a competitor standpoint. Who is that, if you don't mind saying the name? Uh, and what was it about them? Are there two, three attributes that you saw, habits, routines, anything that you extracted from them on how they were you know, playing at the top of their game at that, you know, to be such an incredible competitor? Man, that's a great question. I'll just mention a few teammates. I only played for one team in the NFL, so I'll just mention a few teammates and probably be able to relay some characteristics that could translate to the listener. So some of my favorite teammates in the NFL were Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been a captain on so many different teams. He's one of the most beloved men in the NFL. I'm so glad that he's blown up over the last few years and let his personality shine in the media because he is hysterical and he's such a great person but Fitz's best thing is he can band a group together because he has absolutely no ego he's willing to do the work himself just complete dedication throughout the week in preparation for a game lay it all on the line on Sunday and as a quarterback he's generally not going to slide he might go out and get a block and at times you're like dude you're our starting quarterback you could not be doing that that's Ryan Fitzpatrick Kyle Williams ultra competitive um did a really one thing I learned from him was before games, he was so calm and cool and collected. He'd sit on the bench and just have a conversation with somebody, you know, while guys are out on the field warming up, save it all his energy, and then just go nuts when it counts. Like, where in your life do you need to preserve some energy and then just go nuts when it counts and, and lay it all out there at that moment? Richie Incognito was extremely invested in his body. Richie's now 39 years old. He's still in the NFL. And you don't get that. You don't play at 330 pounds for that long at that high of a level without being invested in your body. And so are you truly investing in things that are going to propel you forward in your career, in your business, in your relationships? And you know what those are. It may be health and fitness stuff. It may be, be a gym membership. It may be a a coach in in the gym. It may be a coach that you work with virtually or in person in your business, but are you investing in yourself to get the best results that you can have? Eric, where can people find out more about you? Where do you want to direct them so they can learn uh, more about what you're doing? Yeah, my website's called ericwoodmedia.com. It's under construction right now, um, but the, but it's still up, But but the new one will be a whole lot better here in about a month, but uh, on social media, I'm at Ewood 70. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, but I respond the most personally on Instagram. So if you enjoyed this, hit me up on there, share this podcast, tag me in it. I'll share it as well. And hopefully we can make a big impact through this, Jamie. Love it, man. Yeah. What's next with Eric Wood is the podcast. Give that a subscribe and a like. It's a great, I love the Alex Smith episode. I listened to the David, Ch- or, uh, uh, David I Nurse. Nurse, excuse me, uh, episode today uh, before on the, my, on the way to school with my kids. So, man, I appreciate you being on. Thanks for all this. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance Podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, 5 million net worth and above. 
Number five, Go Abundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.